0: And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson.
1: Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And uh, we have a special guest with us today. It's Michael Ruggiero. And if things sound different, that's because we're doing this in person, on location, that's because uh, we are fortunate enough to live pretty close together. Michael, uh, he's been with us before a few years ago. And we published uh, some of his work. We're going to show more this time around. And, And since that time, he has moved to central Virginia. So we've been able to hang out together and shoot. And I've learned a ton from him. Maybe even some more today. So, Mike... Welcome. Thanks uh, Thanks for doing this. Thank you for inviting
0: me to be part of your uh, your publication and your online uh, interview.
1: Yeah, well, uh, glad to have you. So, you know, some of the stuff we've already talked about, but uh, we're going to share it with everybody else. Also, Michael is our featured photographer for the month of June 2023. So this podcast is going to run close to that. And um, then you'll be able to use subscribers We'll be able to uh, go into the magazine, see his work, and uh, learn more about him. We you know have a, a really nice written article by that Ashley's going to do for us, and uh, which will add add to this recorded discussion. So, Mike, again, I uh, appreciate you doing this, and uh, so let's to get started why don't you just kind of tell us how you got into photography uh you've got a very interesting story of, of how it all started so yeah take us you know tell us a little bit about your journey okay
0: um well it goes back early early to uh unknowing to me um uh, until much later until i became a, a, a young adult but my parents uh, moved from pennsylvania to california in the late 50s uh and uh, The traveling across country by car inspired me to become a a street photographer, let's say, over the years when I became a professional photographer. Uh, We'll fast forward to uh, when I was in the service uh, in the Coast Guard. I was uh, stationed in the South Pacific on the island of Guam, and we made some trips to Japan, and I purchased my first camera, uh, Spotmatic uh, Pentax. Uh, For the next 10 years or so through the 70s, 1970s, I just uh, became more of a hobbyist. And uh, I wanted to be an artist, but I didn't know which way to go at that time um, until I took a photography class in uh, San Diego. And I discovered the uh, works of magnum photographers, uh, specifically Ocardia Bresson. And I decided at that time, that's was for me, that's what I wanted to do, and and, uh, I was also a chef by that time, by several years, and I wanted to do things on my own without uh, having to do commercial work to make a living. So I used the cooking as a way to support my uh, habit, if you will, to be a passionate traveling photographer, much like the magnum photographers I had uh, seen when I was in college. So that's what I did, and I came to do several personal projects along the way. Uh, Most of them, if not all of them, are all long-term projects that uh, I've become interested in either through my family's history, uh, one of them being uh, quarry workers in eastern Pennsylvania. My grandpa used to work in a slate quarry there. and truck drivers across the country that was inspired by um, that, like I mentioned earlier about traveling in the late 50s with my folks cross country and then I ended up settling in uh, Long Island Eastern Long Island where I uh, started photographing the baymen uh, of Eastern Long Island um, and a lot of these projects are, are inspired for me because of I, I believe them to be the last uh, type of uh, Working class uh, individuals that, you know, are, are, are because of the changing times and technology, these, these long term uh, working, uh, how would you say, uh, lifestyles are yeah. disappearing, you know, much like a lot of things today. So I have a very strong uh, interest in, in that type of uh, photography.
1: Documentary photography. Documentary, picture.
0: yeah. But get involved. I, I usually yeah. go back and keep going back and keep going back and photographing and then looking at my work and the contact sheets. And I still shoot. Ninety uh, percent is still film. I do use a digital camera, but I, I still prefer the film. Uh, it just it helps me uh, pay, pay uh, more focus or attention to uh, what's actually going on and framing and so forth. Where digital can just be uh, almost like a, a a movie camera, you know, it just it just keeps going. You know, you know, just keep pushing the button. It's
1: a computer. Yeah.
0: And of course the uh, the prints. I like the print. I like the dark room. I still have my own dark room. I do my own developing. and my own printing. Uh, and that's it's it's, uh, it's my way of life. That's what I like to do, and uh, it's very special to me.
1: I do want to back up a little bit because you you mentioned uh, Cartier-Bresson right he's a big influence early influence on you yes and you told me once that you actually met him
0: I did I did when I uh, graduated from uh, college in 1981 or 1880 81 whatever I I made it a point that I was going to go to Paris and, and track him down and and become a member of magnum whatever it took uh, so in 1983 I uh, went to a workshop I was involved in a workshop from uh, the new school of, of New York City uh, what Ben Fernandez was was a professor there teaching those classes um, and then I was going to workshops in Carmel California uh, under Friends of photography so there was a lot of Uh, Important photographers uh, that I met in in those days, Uh, specifically, uh, I met Eli Reed of Magnum, Marilyn Mark, uh, Eugene Richards, uh, Ruth Bernhardt, a few others. Uh, And I used that as a a catapult to get me to Paris through one of their workshops. It was a month-long workshop in Paris. And during that time, I ended up staying six months in, in Paris on my own after the workshop, and I located where Cardi Brisson was living on the Rue de Rivoli. And I would go there bi-weekly or every other week. I guess that's bi-weekly. Right? Uh, and yeah. uh, I would—I found out what door he was in. I had to sneak into his his, <laughs> his dwelling or what do you call it? Apartment <laughs> building. Apartment <laughs> building. And there was a cage uh, elevator. You would go up to the, the floor he was on. I think it was on the fourth floor, somewhere up there. I don't remember, but... And it just said HCB on his door. And I kept leaving notes, keep pushing him underneath the door, saying, I'm an American photographer, really like to meet you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I never heard from him. Uh, And this went on for a good five months. Uh, About the time I was, this was the last time I was gonna do it, as I snuck into the apartment complex, uh, I was coming down the the cage (laughs) elevator and he was walking in the front door and he said to me in French what I was doing there. By that time, I knew a little bit about French or how to speak French. And I told him I was to, you know, visit the great man you know, there, Cardi bresson And he said to me, and later I found out in French that, you know, you don't want to meet him because he's a old man and he's difficult <laughs> and he's a, he's more or less an asshole, which I was like, was, you know, astounded he would say that. And then uh, I was like, oh, shoot, okay, well, you know, I guess I'll never get to meet him. You know, I, I assumed at that time he was probably in his 70s and i i assumed by the way this man was speaking that he was like 90 something or whatever. <laughs> i didn't know <laughs> so as i was walking out the the uh, apartment complexes, the elevator stopped and he yelled down to me if you want to meet Cardi bresson he's going to have an opening tomorrow night at such and such a gallery and so i went the next day and i was nervous as all could be and and i went there and and i went real early cuz i wanted you know to spend some time and uh there was this old man sitting in a chair against the wall. And uh, I went up to him and I, I said, Mr. Brisson, you know, blah, blah, blah. I had a little, one of those little Pantheon books and I wanted him to sign it. And this man, he snapped at me. He says in French, you know, he says, uh, it's impossible. He says, I can't do that. There's no way I can sign this book, you know, whatever. And I said, oh, I guess he is old and senile <laughs> and this and that. And I went to a lady behind the, the counter and I said, I guess Brisson... Is, is you know, he's old and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, well, that's not Cardi bresson I says, that's Andre Kertesz. <laughs> and I go, I said, oh, my God. You know, I said, Here, here's the both of them, you know, and then the one for the other. And so I, I actually went back up to him and apologized. And I yeah. got him to sign on a piece of paper because I had nothing else. And I left and I came back a couple hours later when the opening was, was full-blown and the place was packed. Everybody was wearing suit and ties and a lot of commotion going on and and I was, you know, I'm just dressed in jeans and T shirt, whatever, and, and I see this man in the midst of all this crowd, everybody's kinda of surrounded by them and he's like he sticks his head up and he's looking at me and kinda of winks at me and and at least that's how I remember it. And I said, Son of a bitch, that's that's Carrie Brisson. He, he he played a joke on me, you know, so I went up to him, and you got to realize I was, I don't know, maybe 28 at the time, 29, and my career was just getting off the ground to be a photographer. I was photographing a lot in Paris, and and uh, I was just scared. I was scared of this guy, and uh, so I went up to him, and I said, "Why didn't you tell me, yeah. you know, <laughs> that you were Cartier-Bresson?" And he <laughs> smiled at me, and, and that what I found out to be a typical Cartier-Bresson way, he said, "Well, you know, if you don't know who I am, I'm certainly not going to tell you."
1: You know,
0: uh-huh. so, you know, that was how I met Card Besson and with the bonus of uh, Andre Kirtash. So
1: I threw that in for no extra charge. Yeah, yeah. That's so, really cool. So it's a
0: special moment
1: in my life. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Wow. So um, going back to your projects, I, I, I just had to get you to tell that yeah, story. Yeah. I, I've, I've told it. Myself to other people, but I can't tell it like you, obviously, since since you lived it. Yeah, yeah. So you've been doing projects for a long time, and a lot of the same ones for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, why do you do it that way?
0: Well, I think earlier, I explained earlier I was a a chef, and um, what I would do is... uh, Save my money as a chef, and then I would quit the job, and then go on these projects. What I like about them is uh, a lot of the photographers I've come to admire over the years—they all have personal projects, and that's when they usually publish their work in in, uh, in these volumes uh, of subject matter that's centralized. You know, a good good example would be um, Gary Winogrand. You know, where he he just put together. Pictures that he took. Uh, what he liked to do. He just would walk through the streets of New York and shoot a lot of film, and then edit it, and then and come up with uh, individual photographs. And and I, that's kind of what I wanted to do. But I would do it with things that were more familiar with me, mm-hmm. like I was telling you about my grandfather and the slate quarries. So that was uh, one of the first uh, long-term projects I did that I focused in on, and. Uh, and then the uh, the truckers also, uh, just because of it was personal. It had things that related to me. Uh, and I just found a way to explore it and see what what happen, see where it leads, where it goes to. You know, um, The Bayman was a, a project I did because that's where I lived. And I, I used to... Uh, I love the ocean. I grew up on the ocean in California. And I, I came across the Bayman on, on the beach one day, and I started talking to them, and I discovered... That they've done this way of living uh, for generations, going back two, three hundred years, you know, and and so I, I again, it was something of a, a project that I liked about uh, a disappearing Americana style, whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. a way of life. Yeah, I was uh, going say that. And um, what I'm doing now uh, is a similar situation where I'm living in. In a small community in, in Virginia and the county itself, uh, Fluvanna County, I started uh, just noticing a lot of these tiny little churches. Mm-hmm. And instead of just photographing a church from the outside, I wanted to, I wanted to walk into one and just see what happens. You know, see how it develops. Uh, so I started taking photographs within the church and noticing that more these churches there was the the congregation was tiny you're talking about 10 12 15 people in a church you know so it's not like a a modern church you might see where there's hundreds and maybe thousands of people in a mm-hmm. church you know so that's uh that's another project that seems to be personal because it's close to me it's here and again it's another way of a way of life that seems to be disappearing you know it's The trend that's going on uh, in America, we're just changing, uh, leaving these things behind.
1: I'd like to take a quick break to thank the Street Photography Magazine subscribers for your support. We couldn't do this without you. You may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. The, um, the churches, I, it does bring up a question. I mean, like you say, these churches are... Small communities, tight. I wouldn't say they're a closed community because I'm sure everybody's welcome. Yeah, at, at, at the church, of course, but, anytime.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, they say that come back sure. tomorrow, next and, week. Uh.
1: But what about photographing the church? I mean, they're there to worship and to congregate. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how do you get access? How do you get permission to come in and take photographs while they're doing something that's a very important part of their life? Mm-hmm. Um, or Is it just your magnetic personality? Oh, well. it's
0: uh, over the years of doing this. Uh, uh, you, you find I find a comfortability to approach people and just and, and talk to them and and tell them what I'm doing before I start taking pictures. Sure. And get to, and get their permission uh, and let them know, um, and then uh, tell them I will come back. Or uh, and obviously, if if they're interested in seeing the pictures. You know, I will make a a, a print for them and bring mm-hmm. it back for them, and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but I always ask permission, and I talk to the the um, minister or the or the uh, preacher or mm,
1: pastor, pastor, yeah. whatever,
0: um whatever, whatever you uh, whatever.
1: Yeah, Mike, he he's <laughs> Catholic, so he doesn't understand <laughs> the Protestant <laughs> world. Yeah,
0: you know, whatever <laughs> religion, whatever sect it is, I guess. Uh, they could be Baptist, Protestant, um, Catholic, so forth and so on, and I, I, if I'm in their way, I stay away, or, you know, but so far, every church I've been to, they're very welcoming, and they, they want me to come back, uh, and, and they, I can go wherever I want within the church, uh, and I'm uh, just exploring. So, uh, again, I, I don't know where this will lead and how it will come together, but... The more I do it, I, I usually go every Sunday somewhere different and uh, photograph, and then I look at it later, and then it, in in my contact sheets I will see a pattern of what I'm actually my my inner self is 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 interested in, or how it you know photographs. I just love taking uh, pictures of of people in in different situations like that. You know, whether it be the truckers or baymen or so forth. It's just uh, it's a human a human documentary. You know, it's a Human interest stories, I guess. I'm not a good writer. I don't write very well, so I, I my, I do my, um, my soul searching through photography.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that going around. The so, but when you first approach them to ask about taking photos, do, do you get much pushback from people, or are they just no, in general, no, nobody so far. Yeah. You know,
0: again, I think because of that uh, reason, um, I don't get pushbacks because these congregations are so tiny. And the, the, most of the people that are in these congregations are uh, at least 50, 60, 70 years old. Yeah. There's not a, no youth. There's no youth going to these churches. Yeah. So um, that's some of the things I'm picking up.
1: So, I've, I've been able to see a lot of Mike's early work in this project and— I've got to say, I mean, you're you're not hanging back in the far back of the of the sanctuary taking these photos. I mean, I've seen some of them here up close mm-hmm. when they're you know. No,
0: if I'm sitting, I'm right next to somebody. Yeah, you know, and I'll to ask them. And they said, sure, no problem. And I'll I'll take a portrait of them right in the yeah during the uh, the ceremony, uh, especially. Uh, there's the one that you know, it's in most churches where they the body of Christ they take the little wafer and then mm-hmm. you have the, the juice is the the blood of Christ, you know. So I've been communion. taking <laughs> ph- communion is that what that is? <laughs> right. So I do that, I ph- photograph some of those scenes. Um but then when they pass the collection plate, mm-hmm. you know, as as it's approaching me, the guy brings the the little tray, you know, I photograph the hand coming at me, stuff like that. And I use a wide angle lens, not too wide, you know, it's twenty eight, thirty, five. Um, so uh it's very close it's it's very intimate
1: it is that, that's what I was looking for very when intimate. I asked the question okay. they they were very intimate yeah and, and beautiful yeah. it's beautiful
0: and again, if you look at most pictures that I've ever seen about churches, it's the church, you know, yeah, uh, unless you go back to maybe uh the fifties or something where the pictures i I've seen in black and white are like of revivals. Yeah. You know, of jumping around, singing and yelling, but yeah. there's a lot more to it than that. So,
1: oh yeah,
0: you know, uh, I'm I'm trying to look at it from the inside out.
1: Yeah, it really strikes me. All the work I've seen of Mike from the past, he has been shooting film for years and years, mainly Trix, right? Yeah, and um, sometimes we'll get into this just because of his move. He's been forced to shoot digital because he couldn't didn't have a dark room. Right. And he's doing color work, and it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, it really. I mean, ah. it, it really is. I'm hoping you'll be able to share a few of those early well, um, pieces I'm, from the
0: Realizing that yeah. you know the future is there, it's digital. You know, I mean, I, I I will hold on to my black and white. I have 40 years of it and negatives and stuff, so I always have that to go back to and to look at and print. Uh, I was a very big fan of Cartier-Bresson's style a full frame with the black lines around it. And there's many, many photographs I never printed because of that. And uh, I think going back and looking at my work, uh, there are many good photographs that I could have cropped just a little bit, you know, you know not taking off half the frame, but just little edges here and there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm planning on doing that. And then, like you just said, with digital, I'm, I'm learning to use the new technology. And uh, it's it's not such a bad thing. No, it's not. <laughs> it's you, just... If you have the same frame of mind, or if I I use the same frame of mind of as how I shoot with black and white, you know, I can... I go to a, a church, like, say, for a Sunday meeting, I can spend three hours there and maybe take 15 pictures, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm very selective, you know. And uh, it should be. shouldn't be. You know, if you're going to be a still photographer, that the words still photography is... Keep in mind, you know, it's not... Da, Unless you were a sports photographer or something or yeah. you know. But that's that's my uh, take on it.
1: Now, I did mention that you had moved here a little I don't know, year,
0: be a year in, in May.
1: Yeah in May. And you had been in the same house for thirty some years, so yes. you, you were established, you had a dark room yes. where you were comfortable when you worked. And I know you moved here, and just moving into a new place, you couldn't establish a dark room. I right couldn't away. find
0: any. Even in the college, there was no no, no place to go. Yeah, and I,
1: I asked around see if anybody. Yeah, no, we checked, it. and so you so you couldn't work the way you were used to working. Correct. for a basically year. your Almost entire a year, yeah. photographic career. Right, and and now now you do have a dark room again. Yeah, but, but so how did you adjust to basically, this new world. Um, or haven't you?
0: I really, I didn't. I didn't, you know, I mean, it took me a long time to build my uh, office back again because I have my, my bookshelf with about yeah 100, 100 books to look at and just do a lot of research, uh, reading, uh, following other photographers, uh, just getting used to the area and... Uh, moving into digital, like you said, with the camera, digital camera, and and the the great thing about the digital camera for me is the uh, low light ability. Mm-hmm. The photograph, especially inside a church. Now, if I'm using Tri-X, and I'm shooting in a church, uh, the lighting is so so low. I'd have to push it mm-hmm. so far, and I've never been a fan of pulling and pushing. Yeah, film you know I just its what it is what it is it's box speed only huh? and uh, it try to keep it focused as, as I can if it's out of focus a little bit sometimes that's okay too you know but but uh, now with the digital like I've been saying is uh, it works better in low-light situations also uh, going to another project that I did uh, with for digital uh, was when my son uh, went to college up in Syracuse New York and I used to take the uh, the train back and forth mm-hmm. to go visit so that was a project I started and it's another long term project I'm still working on but uh, being able to use uh, fast you know speed in a digital camera like uh, 2000 3000 speed and and using the 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 ASA you know again up to 2200 or whatever it takes I could I could take the photograph through a moving train and still get a pretty decent sharp picture now with with uh, a Conventional black and white film camera, you know, it's, it's the most impossible. Yeah, you know, Paul Fusco was was probably the best known for that. He when uh, Bobby Kennedy mm-hmm. was killed, how he took the uh, he took the ride from D.C. down to where right where he went, or from, was it to from, what? from Boston to D.C. or he went D.C. From- to,
1: yeah. Where did, yes, he went from Boston to DC,
0: and he and he photographed from outside the train. He yeah. wasn't shooting in, but he was all that wonderful pictures of people waving and saying goodbye. That influenced me to uh, to do the yeah. That's a great train stuff. But
1: the, yeah, that's a great series. Yeah. The um, you talk about doing these projects over time, and. I wonder. We'll just take one for example. Let's say that your your trucker project. That's mm-hmm. what I'm, I'm very familiar with. And how did how many years did you do that? I know you're basically started still doing. It, I started it in ninety eighty nine
0: actually, nineteen eighty nine. Uh-huh. And I got pretty heavy in the, in the early nineties. I, I would do three or four uh, two week trips. You know, I had a camper bus at that time, and I would spend three weeks on the road just going following uh, the interstates and pulling over every truck stop I could see and then going into the coffee shop and meeting a trucker and talking to him, eventually till I became a trucker, you know, uh, figuratively uh, speaking. uh, I would start wearing a cowboy hat, the boots, you know, the plaid shirt. I'd carry a thermos with me, (laughs) and I would strike up a conversation because they would think I was a a long-haul trucker. And then, you know, after I got going with them, I would introduce myself again yeah. as a documentary photographer and would you mind? And several of them, you know, would, would say no problem. I would take pictures of them in their trucks and their cabs and, and uh, you know, just try to follow the, the life of a trucker. I did that probably into the 2000s and then, um, you know, raising my son that took me away from the road for many, many years. Uh, until I retired as a chef uh, just a few years back. And uh, now I'm going to revisit. I want to revisit on the road with the truckers again. So I have the time now. And uh, now that COVID is over, uh, more or less, uh, I hope to get back on the road for another week or two and, revi- like you said, revisit that. I'd like to revisit that and see where where it's come to.
1: Well, looking, at, looking back at your work from the early days of the project till basically the last time you went how has your how has your work evolved over time have you seen noticed any big difference in in your style or the end product from 1989 to say 2000 I think the
0: the the uh, beginnings again going back to Bresson who was influenced me the most and uh, everything was pretty much composition and putting everything in its place and, and having a way to to look at it uh, with the um, contrast and so forth. Uh, it was more important to me at that point. It was like an individual photograph. And now we're, I'm becoming more open-minded so much as not boxing it in so much and, and showing more space behind the uh, the subject matter, whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Giving it a little more wide look at it, you know, and trying and trying to keep the composition, but not as tight as it used to be. So you, more context, more context. Um, I don't know. A lot of it just has to do with adventure for me. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's just the uh, the unknown. It's, I I have a, an idea, and I just explore it, and the, the surprises that come along. You know, they, mm-hmm. the classic turn around the corner and something pops up. And if you're ready for it, if you got that camera hanging around your hand and you've you've got your uh, your lens pre-focused and everything, uh, the f-stop and so forth, so you're ready to go. All you have to do is is grab it. Uh, you know, would uh, Gary Winogram used to he used to wrap it the, the the strap around his hand, uh-huh. and then he'd be just dropped by his his hips. So if he saw something, he just he took him an instant to bring it up to his, his eye and take the shot. Because uh, sometimes, if not most times, you only have one, one chance before you're either recognized or the scene changes.
1: And he, he didn't have to worry about the, the camera powering up in those uh, few seconds. So well, there's
0: that that little yeah
1: delay. So when you go back back on the road to hook up with the truckers again. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be shooting it with your digital camera? Or I'll probably,
0: gonna... no, I'll go, you know, since I have started in black and white film, I will okay. continue that. The projects I've done in, in film, I will continue to do that in film, like my Anonymous Citizens, mm-hmm. things like that. That's a, that's a global project, you know, that's, that's, that'll, that'll go on till the day I die, you know, it's a. It's it's one of those things where most photographers you talk to they say always carry a camera with you all the time. Yeah, that's that kind of project. You know, it's it's it could be anywhere, anytime.
1: Yeah, tell us about that. What what is the anonymous citizen? Oh, the anonymous. <sighs>
0: I it, it's just the the common thing a person you might see in uh, wherever, down the street, um, uh, any any street, America, Europe, any place. Um, Going back to again uh, the the, the Cartier-Bresson's work, mostly are anonymous citizens, you know, mm-hmm. or Robert Frank, for instance. You know, they're just they're just normal people you see every day doing things normal. Um, I don't know how much more to explain it, but it, to me it's redundant at this point in my life because the way street photography has become, it's it's I think it's oversaturated with uh, pictures that are the same. Um, it's, it's, it's silhouettes, it's cause, uh, um, compositions that, you know, it's, it's, there's no emotion to it in, from what I can tell anymore. I don't like it. Um, I don't like talking about it too much anymore because <laughs> it, it seems to be repetitive. What I hear even myself, you know, Oh, street photographer. Oh, Cardi Bresson. Oh, Robert Frank, uh, <laughs> Gary Winogrand, you know, it's been beaten to death and, uh, it, it bothers me. Uh, you know, so I, I, it's. I've been doing it longer than most people that are doing it today, and you
1: know, and uh, so. You've been doing it longer than most people doing it today have been alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I've reached that age, you know. Now,
0: you know, most photographers I, I admired are either gone from us or they're, they're in their 90s or late 80s or you know. Uh, uh, Lee Fre- Freelander, who was uh, uh, I get I got to meet him. He's he's up there, you know. I, I like his work. He was uh, another inspiration for you know just walking the streets, taking pictures, and, and you know composing it in such a way. Uh, some of them are just uh, paintings, you know. They're just uh, they're they're good to look at. They they're the more you look at them, every time you look at them, you see something again and again. Yeah.
1: Well, it's true. I mean when. It- when I look at your work, whether it's your early work or things you've been doing mm-hmm. lately, to me, there's a lot more to it than what I see. And I look at a lot of street photography, mm-hmm. more than most people, yeah. obviously. <laughs> and, but there's something to it. There's more to it. Like you say, there's probably more emotion behind it. I My, and,
0: my soul's in it. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it, It's it, it's... It's what activates me. It's what uh, you know I just love I just I don't there's hard to explain I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I mean I have some some uh, some ideas of how I became a photographer, like when I was saying when we moved across country.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, those are just guesses. I really don't know if that really was an influence, but it, it I think of it that way. Um It but something that, to see. when I saw that picture by Cardi bresson it's the gendarme. Mm-hmm. in a place in Paris, and he's on the, the, the jardin has got his big cloak on him, mm-hmm. and he's got a hat, and he's standing there, you can't see his arms, and there's a tree line going on both sides of him all the way down to the infinity, and it just it just hit me in such a way that I knew that's what I wanted to do. I, you know, not so much be Cartier-Bresson, but I knew I wanted to be a photographer, you know, and it's never changed in 40 years. I still feel that way, you know, and, and that's, that's the passion that you know. I feel lucky about that. Most may I can't say most people, but people search for it their whole lives. You want to that that's something that that motivates you to feel good about yourself and do something you'd be proud of. You know. So what?
1: What makes you stop and take a photograph of something? Because like, like you say, you you're very like not efficient. You're stingy with the number of photos, yeah, no I'm matter stingy. what kind of camera you're you're carrying. And what is it that makes you stop? Or maybe you don't even know. Um,
0: I don't, Yeah, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I do know is it has a lot to do with uh, composition, because that's, that's, you got to have that in mm-hmm. one way or another. Uh, I've never followed whatever the classic rules are. The thirds or something. I found out about that later, but I go, I don't know. You know, that, that, you just you feel it. Yeah, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a feeling. Um, and it's usually uh, it's it's always in a street somewhere. It's you know before street photography became known as street photography. It just it's just a, it's a it's an exercise walking. You know, uh, makes me feel better. Uh, I like the surprise of things uh, when when you come around that corner. Uh, f- for for the most part, but the projects are different. You know, when I do a personal project, that's more focused. Mm-hmm. You know, then it becomes sure. more subject re- oriented, and I still try to get the subject in a in a in a space that's not only the person itself, but what's going around around him, what the connection is between what they're doing and the person itself. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But
0: uh, when I see something down the street, it's. Um, I don't know. It's like watching a movie. You know, you you watch every scene, and, and in whatever uh, the framer is doing, and the director is telling him how to frame it and stuff. That's kind of how I think. You know, I just I just I'm always framing as I go, and if I see something that looks like a frame that I can, you know, it's got something going on, I'll stop and take a picture. And uh, you know, got to be aware of the lighting because the lighting can be too harsh or not 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 light enough. Or you know, you got to be careful with that you can see something that really looks great but if it's high noon and the shadows are straight down and, you know you can't see their face it's you got you
1: can't do it so, so you see a, what could be a great shot but shitty light yeah you just pass on by It's the good uh, I think even Cardi bresson mentioned I'm
0: not positive I have to think about that but he I think he said the overcast day is the best day to shoot cuz the light's even
1: oh yeah you know I I moved here from a cloudy place and when it's bright sunshine, I have a hard time, Yeah, especially yeah. especially at noon.
0: Yeah. San Diego was like that for me because it was always sunny. Yeah. Uh, and the light's always over the, over the top almost. Yeah. So there's a lot of deep shadows, uh, which is good in one way if you're just doing mm-hmm. lines and stuff, composition with shadows, and which is, what again, what I see with a lot of modern street photography. It's all about the shadows and putting a pencil-thin person somewhere between something. It's like, well, okay, move on. You know, it's like everybody's what that doesn't do anything. It's like, okay, you know,
1: a cliche. Yes, yeah, cliché
0: cliche. It's a good word for it. Cliche. Uh,
1: you know, it's. Uh, you talked earlier about. I hope you're going to edit this
0: really well because you know there's a lot of things I probably said that uh, are redundant. Uh, uh,
1: I can't think of anything. Okay. I'm not going to edit that either. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, it, it's it's good to know what you think. The um, but you, you were talking about some of your driving across country with your family, and how yeah. you know, that just ingrained something in you. And it, it's funny how those influences very early in life yes
0: keep I coming agree. back yep. and, and
1: and and affecting how you see and photograph things.
0: Well, I think you know, as human beings, you know, if you it's like uh, growing up in a foreign country, let's you know, let's say Germany, let's say, and by the time you're 12, all you know is German, the uh, language, Then you come to America and I only speak English, you're always going to have that accent, that German accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but no. it's like um, your influences when you're young will carry you the rest of your life, You know whether you, you know it or not. You know, food is a good example, you know. I grew up in an Italian-Hungarian family, so I've always loved spaghetti and meatballs and uh, lasagna. Mm. On my dad's side and on my mother's side, I always loved uh, the chicken paprikash or...
1: Kapusta. uh, uh, Goulash
0: or, you know, uh, classic dishes, but they were homemade, you know. So now uh, those are the dishes I always want, you know. Uh, So I guess (laughs) what you were saying about uh, influences when you're young, it's... It's, it can be a lot of different ways of, of uh, yeah. the way it, it goes in life.
1: Yeah, my, my mother was not interested in cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you probably don't like food. You I know. love food. Oh. I, I, I married a great cook. Well, there you know, go. <laughs> that's good. Who's Slovak. And so we'll be over for, <laughs>
0: for dinner because if she's Slovak, she'll make stuffed cabbage or something, right? Uh,
1: not tonight. Actually, right. no. She's she's looking for a good good cabbage roll. Yeah, that's stuffed yeah, cabbage. She should probably ask you. It's yes, stuffed cabbage. That's yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah. She doesn't make those. Make she's not done. I didn't make well, that's I, my well, mother-in-law made.
0: I'll make them and it. I'll bring them over. We can we can have dinner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured you could make
0: them or vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can come here.
1: <laughs> that sounds good. Man, you're making me hungry.
0: Yeah. Well, I do miss cooking, but you know, my, my passion for photography is outweighs it by yeah uh, immensely, and I, I want to get back to. Doing it uh, all the time now, full-time, you know, because cooking for 30-some, 40 years uh, really uh, put the brakes on a lot of things I wanted to do as a photographer. But, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I can still do it, you know, and I've rebuilt my darkroom. Yeah. So I've gone over that, that hump and I'm, I'm going back full-time. I'm going to create some new stuff.
1: Well, now that you no know, no longer live in the New York area, mm-hmm. although you weren't in Manhattan or anything, but no, I was on Eastern Long Island. Yeah, yeah but you were the train right away. But now you're in a small town. You're living outside the small town. Mm-hmm. You know how 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 have you dealt with that in terms of well street photography? There's not a whole yeah. lot. No, well, that's yeah. why
0: um, I I get in my truck and I carry my cameras with me, or camera, uh, and uh, I just explore. You know, it's to me, it's all about exploring. You know, I I can't stop exploring. If I'm I don't know where I'm going half the time, but I just go. Yeah, and if I, I drive around and if I see something, uh, I'll pull over, park park my truck where it's safe. You know, and. And I'll just walk around however long it takes. Like the time we went, we were just driving mm-hmm. together in the wintertime. And uh, it was January, I think. Yeah. And where do you want to go? Well, you know, let's go, let's go this way. And we ended up going to a uh, mountain. Some more fish. I can't remember. the Jackfish. Rock fish, rock fish, rockfish gap. Right. Yeah. And then we pulled over and go, whoa, look at this. And then we moved from there to something else and something else. And then you just kept going around every corner and you kept finding something. And it was like, wow, what a great day. You know, it and was. then and then there's other days you can do that, and you won't you won't even take one picture. You know, because it's just nothing, and it grabs your attention. You know, it's a whole about of, it's feeling. It's all an inner feeling for me. You know, it's it's whatever. You know, I it's, I don't know how people can like take pictures of flowers and stuff. It's just you
1: know, just I. It's not, it's, I, it's a, no, well, I, flowers are nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like to smell them and look at them, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so um I notice when you're shooting film, you're you're working with a with a prime lens. Mm-hmm. But when I've seen you shoot with your digital camera, you've got a zoom. It's a mini zoom, yeah. yeah. It's it's a wide angle to mid-range. Yeah, it's like with 24 to it's 28 like a,
0: uh, yeah, about to would be equivalent of maybe 70. Yeah, millimeter 20, it's like but actually it's, to 7. it's full frame though yeah so i started the first digital camera i had it was that uh cropped uh framing mm-hmm. i guess there's a formula for it uh, yeah one, it's one, about, about nine or something one and a
1: half something like that so you know yeah. i
0: didn't like the way that was and uh so i ended up getting the sony ar7 you know
1: uh, it's full frame so when you Start shooting with your Leicas again? Are you going to miss having that Zoom or be glad to... No. No. <laughs> I was just
0: uh, another project, long-term yeah. project, is Las Vegas. Uh, and Las Vegas is a project because, again, going back to when I was probably 10 or 12 years old, coming from San Diego, my, my folks, the one thing they liked to do was go to Las Vegas and gamble. Yeah. So... They were close. Yeah. Uh, when I became a photographer... And when I was in my twenties, I used to go by myself, Vegas, and hang out for a few days and start photographing. And I've been doing that since the eighties. So I have a body of work from Las Vegas. And going back to what I was just starting to say, I just came back from Las Vegas yeah. uh, a month ago. I shot ten rolls, a trix over over a period of a week. Now that's not a you know a lot it's of shooting. Old. Yeah, it's, you think about it. It's only sure. three hundred and fifty yeah. pictures in seven days and I was photographing, you know, day, all day and all day, you know, from the morning to the, to the sunset. So it was just a lot of walking, a lot of exploring. And my whole project is built around the Las Vegas Boulevard. So again, I focused on one spot, mm-hmm. you know, just, just that one street. So there's a lot of things you could photograph in Las Vegas, obviously. Oh, yeah. But I, again, I, I learned over the years about focusing in on a project uh, so it's cohesive Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm going back to when I started taking pictures, like I said, it was all about composition, and one single thing, and and I realized that uh, you you know, as growing as a photographer, you asked earlier about you know how I've changed. Well, that's how I've changed with my projects. I've become more uh, open-minded about it, and, and not just take an individual shot. I'm trying to take a picture about the whole the whole idea of what I'm looking at. So sure, Las Vegas Boulevard from one end to the other is a is a focus
1: point have you developed those yet
0: no they're sitting downstairs <laughs> they're still in a can uh when i used to be a chef that was i'd have pictures i wouldn't develop for years Wow. you know and and uh i don't know it's, it's, it's just that surprise thing again you know it's just uh i couldn't uh, people would ask me why don't you? you know you'd want to develop it right away and take a look and stuff i just i don't know why again you know it was just i knew it was there you know and I guess being a chef I wasn't in any particular hurry yeah I didn't have a deadline you know nobody was looking for my work at that sure. time nobody cared you know
1: so sure, your, it's your was, stuff was my passion do and, what you want with yeah. it cool so you're gonna you're gonna get a couple of primes for that that Sony or are you just no, gonna keep using it the way it is probably it's yeah.
0: it's again that the cost of things are so high. Oh yeah, you know even my Leicas. I mean, I can't. I couldn't afford to buy them now. Yeah. you know, and uh, well, you figure if you want a, a one prime lens with a with a Leica monochrome or whatever it is, it's mm. you're talking ten thousand dollars.
1: Oh god, yeah. You know, and, and most people
0: that. can't afford that. So, and I certainly can't. But you know, I'm fortunate to have my M4 and my M7, um, and then I got the Sony, uh, which is already a third generation past what i bought it when i bought it
1: oh well, that's that's <laughs> again
0: to replace anything or to buy a lens for it i don't i don't need it you know I, i'm i'm comfortable with what i have and that and that's one way i've always thought about photography too just one camera one lens one film and keeps you uh you know in in this box of what can go wrong you know like you see these photographers like you mentioned um uh, who was the guy you said had cameras all around him?
1: Oh, Jim Marshall. Jim Marshall. Yeah.
0: Now, you know,
1: you, that's so encumbersome,
0: you know. I, yeah. He, but that's what he was comfortable at. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, and
1: what but, he was doing in, in the so, rock scene uh,
0: And again, if uh, you have an agency or somebody to take care of that for you, just hand them the film. Yeah. You know, great. You know, but, you know, if you're an individual on your own, doing your own thing, you know, it's. That's a lot of lot of expense and a, and a lot of worry if you got all those cameras, you know. And That's somebody true. Somebody could come up to you and bang you over the head and just take them all away. I've,
1: I've heard of that happening so. way too many times. <laughs> <laughs> or having, you know, having someone break into your car and take them. Or, or that, you yeah. Know?
0: There's There's a lot of problems. So, uh, you know, I try to keep everything very discreet. And not that I'm, um, you know, being a spy or anything, but... Uh, you know, I just protect myself that way too. You know, especially when you're traveling in a foreign country or whatever. When I used to live in Paris, or mm-hmm. if I went from Paris to London or somewhere on a train, you know, you don't want to be carrying all that stuff.
1: No, you know, no, definitely not. So anyway, you've done a lot, a whole lot over the years. What, what do you? What didn't you do that you wish you would have done? not much
0: you know i mean uh, if if it had not been for the being a chef I, I you know i wouldn't have a great family and take care of my family uh, you know i could have sacrificed all that and been an individual like Kodelka, you know and just just sleep on the floor and travel the world and <laughs> take pictures you know there there's a different philosophy there i guess there's like three camps of photographers from what i remember mm-hmm. you know between somebody like myself or somebody that sacrifices everything just to be a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, I could never do that. I've always wanted to be a family man. So yeah. I have responsibilities. Um, so regrets. Uh, I wish I would have just spent more time uh, with the truckers, mm. you know, which is why I want to revisit that. Yeah. Um, that's really it. Just re- I only regret not not spending more time at the projects that I I have done, but you know you do need to move on. You can't can't stay with one thing all the time because it's like cooking. If you keep making the same dish, <clears throat> you're going to get bored. You know. So you know it,
1: it's you're not a dog. Yeah. Well, you know. The um, you know, speaking of the truckers. So you you're talking about you're going to you want you're going to revisit it, mm-hmm. but trucking industries changed a lot yeah. uh, in the it, not just the trucking industry but the truck stop industry oh, it used yeah. to be just little mom and pop places yep. well that's what quarter, the, yeah. it, going back again to yeah. the, when my
0: parents moved across the country yeah uh, that's what I remembered I remember these mom and pop yeah little pit stops you mm-hmm. know and then uh, and when I started doing this project again or for the first time back in in 90 to 92 uh I was able to photograph several of those still around. Yeah. And then I started to see that transformation of these travel centers where they have a combination of cars and trucks. Yeah. And then they put in the commercial, you know, Abbey's and Burger King the and McDonald's. Dairy and,
1: Queen, yeah. And
0: then it was like there's no, that was gone. So these places now for sure are gone. So I don't know how I'm going to approach it this this time, you know, because I do not want to take pictures in these travel centers. I think I'll get a more intimate uh catch on with the with the truckers themselves maybe maybe be able to uh go home with one of them and photograph their family you mm-hmm. know get a go little like deep, I said yeah. more deeper into the yeah. thing and see how they're surviving in today's world um, what I was photographing initially was independent truck drivers because mm-hmm. I could I didn't really want to photograph a commercial uh, truck driver because it's it again it was a way of life to me it was the, the yeah the um, how do I put it um, as- asphalt cowboys and highway waterholes.
1: <laughs> no, no, no big R drivers, huh? Uh-huh. So, but you know they
0: they have come along with larger cabs now. They're self-contained. They mm-hmm. have computers, uh, TVs. They have bunk beds. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can get more involved in that. You know, uh, maybe it's change, s- yeah. stay with one trucker going cross-country back and forth, and just photograph his life for a couple of weeks. You know, I'm not, Again, I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but, um, again, the, the support uh, is important to have financially, you know, how to, how to do that, you know, with, without spending all my money, uh, which at my age is harder to come by because now I'm retired, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. One other thing. When you started the church project, I mean, yeah. you told me about it a few months ago. Right. And you said something to me that really stuck and it was, I don't know where this is going, or I don't know where I'm going with it. Right. You know, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, it's you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And you have to start with an idea, you know, and something that is close to you. In other words, uh, location-wise. So, uh, the idea of going off to India and like photographing India for three weeks is not practical for me. You know, yeah. or, or probably most people. No. So you need to photograph uh, what's around you. You know, if you can't find the project around you, then you know, if you go somewhere around the world, you know, that's you're, you're not going to find it there either.
1: So if you if you don't can't find anything around you, you're you gotta, probably
0: not paying attention. You got to find your style, whatever it may be. Yeah. You know? uh, and in today's world, where there's billions of photographs being shot every day. Mm you know, it's, it's, it's very competitive. You know, it was competitive when I was taking, started taking pictures, but now I can't imagine, you know, that's why I, I, I feel I had good fortune enough to stick with cooking to make my living at it. So I could take the pictures I wanted to take, you know, which comfortable to me. But, uh, uh, you just have to come up with an idea. Um, I follow Magnum photographers, obviously, and the most recent one I've been following a little bit is Alex Soth. Mm-hmm. And I did take one of his online uh, lectures. You can do that for 100 bucks. You can get um, five hours of lessons from one of these uh, photographers. And the one thing he said that uh, res- resonated with me is uh, you just have to, you know, find something to photograph that you're interested in and just and do it every day go back 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 to it back to it until something clicks until you start to see a pattern you know whatever it may be you know even if it's flowers let's say you know if you find a spot where there's a certain flower you want to photograph keep going back and see the changes mm-hmm. you know the, the, how it goes from the plant whatever I don't know again I sometimes I <laughs> segue into something that makes no sense but yeah it's alright but uh that's uh, you know kind of what I've been doing anyway, but it was reassuring that uh, people that uh, the agency that I've always wanted to be part of was they have the same philosophy. Uh, photographers have the same philosophy that I do, you know. So,
1: wow. So what's next? Well, we know we know about the church project, and um, next is um, to uh,
0: continue to uh, develop and print. And uh, I'm going to work on my legacy, you know, because uh, it's, it's a lot of photographers like me, I think, believe that their work is so good that when they die, somebody like Vivian Mayer, somebody will just discover it and, and start printing their name out there and printing it and all this stuff. Well, that's, you know, one in a zillion chances that's going to happen. So, uh, from my legacy, since uh, my families love them dearly, but none of them are interested in <laughs> promoting my work if I should pass away, which eventually I will. So, I'm working on my legacy to get, like, the truckers uh, finding a um, an avenue through that. That's you know, a, a museum or an agency or a company that might be interested in that. I have to reach out to them. Uh, my Bayman, I have to reach out to the Marine Museum in Long Island. Mm. Um, f- stuff I've been doing with Amtrak, you know, same thing, reach out to them and, and just promote or if I have to give them the work, donate it, whatever it takes, that's how I'm going to you know, get my legacy out. So everything I've been doing these last 45 years in photography won't just disappear going to garbage somewhere. You know. That's um, smart.
1: That's, that's what's next. So, all right. I've got one more question. You guys can't see it. Mike's got a fabulous book collection. Huh? He could spend days oh, just looking at photos yeah. Yeah. In, in those books. So if, you, if you could pick one of those right. and recommend it to the people who are listening to this, mm-hmm. what would it be? You only get one. Only get one? Um, <laughs> well... Hang on one second. This might take a while.
0: No, it won't take long. Oh, okay. It would be Robert Frank
1: the Americans. <laughs> and number 2? Well, wait a minute. Come back come back to the microphone here. All right, no. Robert not. Frank's Americans,
0: yeah. without a doubt. Great choice. If you had one book in photography, that would be it. You know. Yeah. All right, so what was number two? Number two would be a Gary Winogrand's, uh, uh, what's that name that book? Uh, Figments from the real world. Robert, uh, Gary Winogrand's uh, Figments from the Real World.
1: Figments from the Real World, okay. would be my second. All right. And, and then, I didn't know I was going to ask you that. No,
0: and then, of course, well, you know, there's always a question. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, The Time Machine. And if anybody's ever seen it, the very last scene is uh, uh, one of the characters asks another character, he, he said he noticed that there was three books missing in his library. And he says to the other character, he says, what three books would you take? Because, you know, the The Time Machine... Uh, fellow, he disappeared into the future, and he took three books with him. Uh-huh. And there, he's talking maybe, you know, four hundred, five thousand, five hundred thousand 500,000 years in the future. Yeah. So you're bringing three books from the present time to the future. What three books would you bring? And that's, you know, that's like that question you just asked. Sure. What, what books would you, if you had to choose, what would you choose? You know, it's like... It's
1: so... A, for, uh, so what were the three books? I don't know. <laughs> you don't remember, you, you, No, gonna, no, you, they didn't you. Oh, tell he didn't you. say. Oh, they no. didn't say. Okay. It's up
0: to you to figure that out. You know, It's like, what would you do?
1: <laughs> oh. You know,
0: it's like door one or door number two or door number three.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not Monty Hall. Yeah. All right, Mike. And before we go, tell us where people can see your work. Oh, geez. Well, I'm working on
0: my website. But Everybody
1: is. Yeah.
0: It's uh, well, Welcome to the club. M.K. Ruggiero.com. dot
1: com, and we'll put obviously put the link in there and uh very good and then of course if you just uh google
0: my name uh and put photographer there are other links that come yeah. up for whatever things i've been a part of um and most recently uh, i had uh, three museums last year uh show uh an, my pictures with a group group exhibitions one of them was uh the Woodmere Museum in Philadelphia, Heckscher Museum in Long Island, and the Panopticon Gallery in Boston. So I was very fortunate last year. I had some work finally got out there in the public. So yeah, if you stay stick with it, you know, and just and believe in yourself, uh, you know, it can happen. You know, it,
1: then so then we we go back to the. First story you told about Carter Ebrison. Mm-hmm. If you didn't stick with it, you would have never met him. No.
0: Yeah. No. You gotta. Don't give up. Yeah. You gotta. You know. Follow your dream. You know. And support yourself however you can to get there. So, whatever it takes.
1: Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So, please take a few moments to write a review in Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track, and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios, found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine.